This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca, and it's it's typical COVID. You know, don't look at your original schedule because it, it doesn't mean anything because it always changes. That's what happens with Game Misconduct. Usually it's EJ on a Monday, but we've seen him on a Tuesday. That's we've right. seen him on a Wednesday because that's COVID, Wednesday. right? That's I want right. to be like and the luckily, NFL, EJ, where luckily, there was a there literally was an NFL game every day of the week. Not every day of the week. Well, maybe <laughs> by the end of this, you and I will do this show or this little podcast once, you know, on every day, right before the end of the year. I think it's. I think I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Hey, you've already done Monday, Tuesday, you know, and now Wednesday, so we only have two more days. You down. work. You work like around the clock. I mean, I yes. can see us doing this at any point in time. And I'm up all night. I'm like a night owl. So, I mean, you know, it's, you and I could be doing this at any point of any day at any time. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it because we got a lot to get into because we have not had a podcast <laughs> right. since last right. Thursday because I've been at the Garden the last three home games and I've gotten tested, which is great. And how about this? Can I, ask you, can, re- I ask you a, can I ask you a question? Please. What is that experience like being at the Garden for the games with no fans? It's when you're actually calling the game. It's it's not a big deal because they pipe in the noise and you're kind of focused on the task at hand, right? So, yeah, kind of like a player who doesn't like pay attention to the crowd. Here's here's where it's jarring. You hear Joe Tollison say, "And the New York Rangers," like, and they step on the ice and. There's nothing. You know, usually that's when you get a, a little excitement, a little buzz in the crowd, like nothing. They just yeah. kind of come out like, you know, it's like an, it's almost like a walkthrough, like some sort of like an audition. Yeah. And you don't expect like, there to actually yeah. be a game. And then there's little things, too, like there was the Gauthier goal last Wednesday against Boston where nobody knew, even Gauthier didn't know the puck went in. Like the light didn't go on. Mm-hmm. An indicator for me would have been the hundreds of fans behind the goal jumping up, and you don't have, you don't gotcha. have that, and you don't realize it until you yeah. don't have it. Like the little indicators, like the reaction from the crowd, yeah. and, you know. The, so yep. it's 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 surreal, but like in the thick of the game, it, it just it, it kind of dissolves into the background. But there are just certain moments where you're like, there'd be an electricity here, and it's almost like yeah. you're. You're watching a like a high school game or something where, you know, just the parents yeah. are in the stands. You know. Yeah, I'm very curious. I have yet to experience this. I've been with my schedule and with my coaching the uh, 16 AAA team with my son's team. I coach. I mean, with practices and stuff. I haven't been able to make the, you know, make one of the, the timing hasn't worked. Right, but I'm hoping to do it soon because I want to experience whether it's the Devil game or, or Ranger game or an Outer game. I want to experience what it's like because it's got to be like you're what you're doing is so focused, like you say, like you probably don't even notice it as much because you're so focused on the, the, the task at hand. But for me to be sitting there like and watching and like taking notes like I normally would do, it would probably be like to your word to use your word jarring that yeah. it's. You're right. It would be like going to see like a kids game. Yeah, just a really surreal. But it's nice wow. to have it back. It's nice to be able to go and 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 have have it back. And I, I'll tell you what. Last night, mm-hmm. uh, nobody was happier uh, that the building was empty than David Quinn and the Rangers because they would have gotten booed off the ice. And yeah, yeah. All right, listen. I don't know what everybody's expectations were. Um, 
I, I don't think it was crazy to think they could have made the playoffs based on how they were playing going yeah. into the pandemic. Um, but last night, there's no excuse. Bunch of reasons why, in my opinion. Yeah. I want to get your thoughts. You're taking on a team that hasn't played since January 31st. And when you look at Colorado, yeah. when you look at Minnesota, when you look at Buffalo, you saw that those teams' inability to score and then the Devils put up five. They were the better team in the third period when you think they'd begin to wear down. And you've got guys, you know, Butcher, who hadn't played a game in a year. You've got a goaltender who hadn't played since January 19th. You've got kids in Merkley uh, in his 12th game scoring his second goal. Uh, Maltsev playing in his second game, uh, making some big plays. Uh, there's, and then after the game, to talk of hearing from Kreider and Zibanejad that they just didn't have the energy. They didn't match the energy. Come on. There should be a sense of urgency for this team. That should have been two points. I'm sorry. I, I don't care. You got no Panarin. You got no Miller. You shouldn't be pushed around by a devil team that literally hadn't played in two and a half weeks. I, that's a bad loss, and that's a jarring loss for this Rangers team that really just has to make you think where exactly is this team going right now at the quarter pole? Well, I would say a couple things. First of all, I think you're. I think it's fair to say that you could you could have thought like if the Rangers got in the playoffs this year, it wouldn't be like the most shocking thing in the world, right? I mean, I think that's a fair comment. That said, I did not think they were going to be a playoff team this year. I think that they are still thin up the middle, and they are still light on defense, and they're still sorting through that stuff. I think you know this is a team that's only a couple of years out from a full rebuild. The, the rebuild was tremendously accelerated with the addition of Artemi Panarin, who, as you mentioned, was not in the lineup last night and is dealing with an injury, and who's by far their best player. And the stats will tell you that whenever he is on the ice for the Rangers, they are way better than when he skates over and sits down on the bench or when he's not in the lineup at all. So that's a dramatic piece of the puzzle out of the mix. Then you add into that kind of the, you know, the inexplicable slump that Mika Zibanejad is having right now. I mean, this is a guy that led the National Hockey League last year in goals per game in the league and had more than 40 goals. And this year through 14 games, he has one goal and he has three points. So you take Panarin out. Zavanajad has been kind of a shadow of, of what he was, and although he seemed to be getting chances last week in moving towards kind of breaking out, it hasn't happened yet. I think it will, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, so, you know, to me, this is a team, and, and in goal, they have two really talented young goaltenders, but neither has really had to be the guy because they had that, the Henrik Lundqvist was still there, and you may well say, well, they played better than Henrik Lundqvist. Yes, they did, but Henrik Lundqvist was there as someone that if things were not right, Henrik Lundqvist was the veteran guy that's been there forever. He's gone. So now it's on these two young guys, and I think they haven't been terrific, although Shesterkin has played better as things have gone on. Yeah, but neither so of them have stole the game yet. That, I guess you need sometimes yeah. a goalie to steal a game, and that hasn't happened. Yeah, so, I mean, you put it all together, and, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, I'm not overly surprised that, they are where they are because they're in a very tough division. They're playing tough teams night after night. And, you know, some one thing is an odd thing has happened in all this mix is that the Devils have actually been very competitive. And even though they haven't played for a while, and you're right, you would expect the Rangers to be ready for a team that hasn't played in more than, I think it was more than two weeks. Uh, the Devils have been a very competitive group this year. And, uh, and I think their record speaks to that, you know, despite the fact that they are uh, – 
you know, that uh, you know, they've played fewer games. And they are kind of in a rebuild, too. So the, the Rangers, you know, I think it's one of these years. They're in this rebuild. They're trying to figure it out. Who are, their, who are the guys that are going to be the guys that are going to be the ones that step up and are really good on defense? You know, uh, who, how are they going to shake things out down the middle as time goes on? So there's still a lot of questions there. And then missing Filipino, too, I think was a valuable piece of the puzzle. But all that said, there is no explanation. There is no excuse for a lackluster effort and everybody was in agreement that the Rangers did yeah. not give uh, the effort that you need to be successful. I guess that's, you make great points and, and, and I'm with you, but even all that said, you, you got to come, you got to come away with two points last night. I mean, especially they get the late goal from Bushnevich in the second period. They got all the momentum yeah. going into the third. And I remember looking at Dave calling the game last night and, and, I, and I said it when we started the third period. I said, Rangers have been in this situation numerous times before. Win the third period, win the game. And that yeah. has to happen tonight because you, you would yeah. think that the, that the Devils would start to kind of wear down a little bit. That usually happens in games. We saw it with Buffalo the other night. No shots on goal against the Islanders uh, in that first uh, game yeah. against the Isles when they came back. And, and they were just flat out the better team. And that just yeah. you can't have that happen on nights where you know your margin for error is so slim. Uh, that's a game that you yeah. have to try to get. And I and I, I fend off all the fans because it's easy to blame the coach. Um, yeah. yeah, I do think coaches hold responsibility though. I mean, they are coaches, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can't always yeah. apologize it away. Do I think he deserves to be fired? Absolutely not. I think he's a terrific coach. But if you tell me they lacked energy, that kind of falls on on Quinn. I'd be, I'm sure he'd be the first to admit that. And he said he's going to address it today before practice, during practice, after practice, before the game Thursday <laughs> against the Flyers. So he's acknowledged yeah. that. But um, fireable yeah. offense, blaming him for where they are. That's that's a, that's a tough sell for me. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree. I guess the only thing you can do is is see where they come out on uh, you know on on Thursday night against the Flyers. They got the Capitals, I guess, coming up on Saturday afternoon. So I mean, like this schedule they, that the teams have, and that's why that game against the Devils last night, to your point, is really important because you know the Devils are coming out of that uh, COVID hiatus and hadn't played in a while. And then you look up and you got the Flyers next and the Caps after that and then the Flyers again and the Bruins and the Bruins again. I mean, like, there's no nights off. You know, yeah. you, you know, uh, you know, and so, I mean, the Rangers didn't get those two points last night. It's conceivable they could lose to the Flyers, Capitals, Flyers, Bruins, and Bruins, so to speak, in five. They could lose those all five games and be, in a, you know, and be basically out of it at this point. So, um so that was a it was a bad loss last night. There's no question about it. They've got to be better. But I think, you know, without Panarin, Don, I mean, the numbers tell you, without Panarin in the lineup, this team is just not oh. anywhere near as good as when he's around. And that should be obvious because Panarin was a hard trophy candidate last year and had a great year and just makes such a difference for that group. Uh, Buffalo comes out of COVID, back-to-back uh, shutout losses to the Islanders. And, you know, this is a team that made some transactions during the offseason like, to try to be better this year, yeah. right? And, and and not long-term yeah. fixes by any stretch with Hall on a one-year deal. You've got Stahl that they went out and acquired. At what point does Buffalo start selling these pieces off? I mean, they've got a lot of players that are going to be gone anyway, right? Uh, Montour is yeah. one of them. McCabe's another one. Uh, so... I know it's early, and they've only played 12 games because of the COVID situation, but seven points out of a playoff spot, not scoring. Uh, when when do they decide to break all this up? Well, I mean, 
they've got some bad contracts there, right? I mean, they've got Jeff well, Skinner, Skinner on, kills like, him, right? I mean, that's a life that's a lifetime deal right now. I mean, I don't know how you're going to get rid of that contract. And he's got a no move, so you can't even put him on an expansion. Not that the Seattle would take him, but I mean, that's a that's a nightmare contract right there. I mean, uh, you know, Jack Eichel is your franchise center. Um, so that's that's obviously uh, someone that you're trying to build around. It's the same thing on defense with uh, Rasmus Dahlin. So those are the two anchors or the two um, pillars to build around. Uh, you know, Taylor Hall's on a one-year deal. So far, you would say based on what has happened that he would likely not be back. Um, Eric Stahl is on the last year of his contract. He's an older player. I would say Eric Stahl is probably not in the long-term future. Uh you know, Kyle Laposo has had some real issues health-wise. He's still got three years left on a contract, so I don't know what you do with that. Um, you know, they've got some good, some younger players that are coming. They have some guys that they drafted high, like a guy like Casey Middlestat that just didn't, hasn't played out, hasn't panned out so far. So, you know, that's a big miss if you miss somebody in there with a top-10 pick. Um, to my mind, you know, Linus Olmark has been okay. The people in Buffalo like him a lot better than I do. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, they've got uh, this kid Pekalainen that's in the minors that they like a lot as a young goaltender, but has had some hip surgeries already. So, you know, to me, when I look at the Buffalo Sabres team and I looked at it on paper at the start of the year, Don, I just didn't really love their goaltending. And if you don't like their goaltending, you know, any team, you got problems. And uh, so, yeah, there's some challenges there. And they've they've had several different managers, several different coaches. Uh, but I think that they what they do still have is Eichel and Darlene to build around. And they have some good other pieces there, too. I mean, Reinhardt and Cousins, have, you know, those guys have shown some signs of life. And the Olsen kid is a good, has been a good player, especially on the power play for them. So that there's some pieces that you keep. But, you know, there's, some, there's, there's a troublesome issues for them with players, like I said, like a Skinner and a Poso. I mean, you know, when you look at the, you know, a Cap Friendly who does all the good work with uh, – with the salary cap stuff, I mean, Jeff Skinner is 11% of their cap. Yeah. I mean, that's a ten, more than a tenth of their cap, and the guy is just not a productive player at this stage of his career. He's got years to go on his contract. So um, that's a painful buyout if you do it. I don't even know if it saves you all that much. But uh, so there's some challenges there for the Buffalo Sabres, and you're right. Um, you know, you do have to scratch your head and just say, okay, what do you do next? But those are the issues. At least you have the two guys to build around, but they've got a lot of challenges still. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's so difficult. You take a look at the standings. There's so many teams that are four, five, six games behind everybody else because of COVID and just the schedule. Um, we've, we, you know, we've seen Dallas now have to cancel three games because of the weather in Arlington. So everything's kind of messed yeah. up. But, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, where like American Thanksgiving is that turning point because it's just so hard to gain ground, yeah. especially now with all these three point games exclusively playing in your division. You get to be five, you know, seven points out of a spot. I mean, how are you supposed to make up that ground without going on some kind of like crazy, you know, nine oh and one run? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and you look at. You look at these divisions, and you can already start to see, like, Buffalo, it's gonna, they're going to be hard-pressed. I mean, the Rangers are going to be hard-pressed. The Devils have the advantage of having played fewer games, but the problem for the Devils is they will have to play a lot of games in a shorter period of time. They'll play every other day the rest out. of the season, right? Exactly. I mean, I look at that, that East division right now. I mean, really, to me, it ends up coming down to, you know, Washington, Pittsburgh, Islanders, it seems like. But, you know, I, you know there's still, you know, what, two-thirds of the season to play. And, uh, 
you know, a lot of things can happen in those games. And it's been such a crazy year and a crazy world that we live in. And, you know, the Islanders started off, they were good the first game. Then they had some struggles. It looked like they were going to be challenged. And then they went on a nice run now. And they've been, you know, moved back up the standings and back up the ladder in the in the East. And they took advantage. Think about it. They took advantage of how the schedule benefited, benefited them. When they were struggling a little bit, there were some cancellations that – gave them time to practice mm-hmm. and maybe find their game again. And now what do they get? They get this back-to-back with Buffalo this week, coming out of Buffalo not having played. And the Islanders, that's a hard – if you're the Buffalo Sabres, the, one of the last teams you want to see coming out of like a two-week hiatus is the Islanders, who are just going to grind you. So, you know, the Islanders uh, have found their way and are playing better too. So it's, it, all these divisions – because of the nature of this, we have four little kind of original sixes, although they're original eights, or in one case, an original seven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's just there's not a lot of margin for error because you're, you know, you're playing these same teams every night. You've got to find ways to get points. And when you lose them, there's, you know, the, you, just, we have, you have to try to move on to the next one. But I would say for the Rangers and the Sabres in the East right now, and, and maybe the Devils because of all the games they're going to have to play, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to get back into this. Yeah, and 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 you know Boston's just so good, and you said the Islanders are just, oh. you know, they won't win the division, but you know I was talking about it with Anthony, our, our producer. They're they're just a difficult out once they get into the playoffs because of just the way they play, right? We saw it last year. Now they might get to a team like they got to in Tampa in the conference final that just will not be denied offensively. I'm not sure that yeah. team exists in the East. Like, I I could see yeah. the Islanders totally coming out of the East in the playoffs. Now they got to lock it down and get there. But don't yeah. they just seem like the way that they're built, the way that they play, may not get you wins every night in the regular season, but it's exactly the way you want to play in the postseason? Yeah, well, I mean, it all starts from the net out, right? And they've got Varlamov, who's been among the very best goalies in the league this year. And Sorokin now is getting his feet under him. He got his first win, a shout-out against the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, he did not have the luxury that Shesterkin had in coming and playing half a season in the American League and kind of getting his feet wet with the North American brand of hockey. So we, by all accounts, just, uh, Sorokin is a really terrific young goalie, and he looked good in the victory over the Sabres. We'll see if he can be that good 1B to Varlamov, who's been so good. Their defense is, is pretty sturdy. Pelak and, uh, Pula, Pulak and Pelak are you know, two really high-end young defensemen. Uh, they get a lot out of Scott Mayfield, who's like a bargain at $1.45 million against the cap. Noah Dobson is uh, finding his way, a high draft pick they're giving time to. So, you know, and up front, it's, it's you know, Matt, Matt Barzell and, and Andrews Lee have uh, kind of been big time, uh, like, leading that offense. And then after that, it's an ensemble cast with a lot of really hard-to-play-against players. You know, when you think about Pajot and Sezikis and Bovillier and, with those type of guys, and you have a Nelson and an Everly. So, I mean, it's, it's a good group, and you're right. I, I think they're just a hard team to play against when the games really matter, and that's when you get to the postseason. So, um, Boston has been so good, so I don't know if the Islanders will end up uh, finding a way to get to the top of that division, but once you get in the playoffs, they're a hard out. And they had a good win against the Bruins on uh, right. Saturday night on uh, on Long Island, and because they have struggled with the Bruins for years, even when they've been better, the Bruins play the same kind of game but do it a little bit better than the Islanders. So that was an important win for the Islanders. And these matchups they have with the Bruins over the course of the season will be important for them to gain confidence that they can maybe beat the Bruins at their own game. 
I don't remember or necessarily know where you had the Blackhawks this season, but are they one of your biggest surprises out West? Yes. That's, I didn't have them anywhere near uh, the playoffs, that's for sure. I thought they'd be last. I thought they'd actually be worse than Detroit this year. I thought Detroit would start to make a little bit of noise this year, a little be a little bit better, and that's that's unfortunately hasn't been the case for them. It's been a real tough last several years for the Red Wings as they try to rebuild after a quarter of a century of success, <laughs> which I guess, uh, you know, that's the breaks when you've had that much success. But, yeah, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked by the Blackhawks. They've got guys on that team I've never heard of. And, uh, you know, and they've played terrific. The kid Kevin Lankin has come in and been really good in goal. And so that gives you a chance, right? When you, when you have a guy that comes in and he's a 25-year-old kid, nobody knows who he is. He comes in and plays good every night. Now he gives you a chance to win because the Hawks don't defend great. That's, you know, they, they've got a lot of young defenders on that team, and they're going to give up chances. But Lankin has been really good. And then Subban kind of has found his way a little bit too. So they've got a good duo of young kids. And that was a big hole for the Blackhawks. I mean, Corey Crawford left. They were thinking about getting other veterans there. Remember, they traded off, uh, you know, Leonard at the trade deadline to Vegas. And you would thought, you would have thought they would have brought in somebody as a stopgap guy, but they just went with these younger goaltenders. And they started even with Colin Delia and Subban. And then Lincoln got his opportunity, and he's been really good. So that's been good. And up front, they, you know, Patrick Kane is still one of the very best players in the, in the NHL. Alex Brink had his bounce back. Kubelik had a good year last year. Dylan Strom was a third overall pick from Arizona. He's been a really a good, decent player for them. They added Matthias Janmark and Carl Suderberg, who are like veteran guys that, uh, you know, Janmark is actually a young veteran and is a, helpful, is a really helpful player. You know, and then these guys like, you know, Suter and Hagel and, I don't, you know, I don't even know where some of these guys came from, but right. they've been really helpful players. And they, I would imagine, in that room right now, it's kind of they got that kind of everybody thinks we're terrible, it's us against the world kind of mentality. And they've been just going out night after night after night. And they've been very competitive, and uh, you know, they've got points. I guess eight of their last ten, and uh, they've just been tough to deal with. So they've been a fun story because I had no, there was no way I thought the Blackhawks. We're going to be anywhere near things, especially when you think about the fact that, you know, Taze is not there right now dealing with uh, a health issue of some sort that we're, we really don't know much about. And then Kirby Doc got hurt at the World World Juniors and, and has and is, is out for the year as well. So, I mean, uh, it's amazing to think they've played so well. Can you see Pittsburgh trying to trade for a goalie? Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. I mean, I the, now, Vegas says they're the not question. moving Flurry. Would you be interested in Quick? Yeah, it's a lot of money to take on. Is Quick it, an it, upgrade it, it, from what the they trouble, have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the the problem for the Penguins is this: is that they don't have a lot of room to maneuver, right? Because they don't have a lot of cap room. So whatever they do is kind of money in, money out. So like you know, to get Jonathan Quick, if you're interested in them, you know, how does that work? But I. Now, I just don't know. Jonathan Quick has, I mean, he's been a great goalie over many, many years with the Kings, but he's had some significant injury issues, you know, that hips and things like that. And he's such an athletic goalie. And, you know, he had a nice performance against Minnesota last night. I guess they won 4 nothing, so it's a shutout for Jonathan Quick, which is really good. But, I mean, the, prior to that, the save percentage hasn't really been great. He's kind of been uh, someone that's fallen behind Cal Peterson there. So... I don't know. I don't think I'd be. I think Flurry would have been the guy because he's he's obviously a, a former Penguin and he's beloved there. And uh, 
you know, he could have been the guy for them, but I just think that's a tough trade to make. I mean, you'd probably have to send Jari back plus something else to make the money work. And, and as you point out, the, if you're Vegas right now, you have Leonard who's had some injury issues and Flurry who's played lights out good. Why are you trading yeah. Marc-Andre Flurry? I mean, they think they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I think they'd be putting themselves behind the eight ball if they were to make that kind of move at this point. So, um, But I do think that Ron Hextall and, and the you know the new management group with Brian Burke is probably assessing the goaltending. I mean, Casey DeSmith has been a nice story that he's made it to the National Hockey League, but he seems like a a backup at best and maybe an American Hockey League goaltender. And Tristan Jari is, was really good last year, but, you know, goalies, you know, the, the, the challenge of being a good goalie in this league is to be consistent year in and year out. And we don't know if that, we don't know if that's where Tristan Jari is. So uh, it's going to be a challenge because I don't think there's a lot out there right now. That's a big upgrade outside of Flurry, who I don't think is going to be on the move at this point. And I don't know if they can fit into their cap anyway. Ready to buzz through some tweets. All right. All right. David says one team that doesn't seem to be getting a share of credit are the Phil- are the uh, Florida Panthers. They've quietly having a nice season, nine two and two, even with average goals scored, goals against, and power play. If they make the playoffs, can they finally advance past the first round? Well, I would say this: the players are there. They're trying to change the culture. The new GM Bill Zito has gone, and he's made some additions. Most notably was for me at least, was Patrick Hornquist because that's someone that's won Stanley Cups, that goes into the dirty areas, that competes hard every night. And, you know, the question was how much tread was left on the tire for Patrick Hornquist because he did all those things in Pittsburgh for many years and would just get beat up after, night after night but was in front of the net. And, you know, would he go to Florida with the idea of being that competitive guy or would he go to Florida, like many do, for an early retirement? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think at the end of the day, he's proven to be very competitive and in front of the net, he's, he's amongst their points leaders. I think he's right there with their goals leaders as well. So he's been what they've hoped for. And so the culture is changing little by little there. We will see over time if, as they continue to play better teams, they played, they had a pretty good schedule to start the season. They just finished three games with Tampa Bay. They took two of the three and looked pretty good in those games. They got Carolina on the schedule this afternoon as we speak, I believe it's a 5 o'clock start yes. here on Wednesday, and we have that game on the NHL Network, oddly enough, and um, that's another challenge for them. But uh, I like that. I mean, their talent is there for them to do well, but, you know, is that winning culture, are they going to be able to kind of put that in place there? And, of course, is Bobrovsky going to be good enough? Because right yeah. now, I'd be honest with you, I'd play Chris Dreger. I think Chris Dreger's been the better guy. I feel more comfortable when he's playing than when Bobrovsky's playing. But they've been managing to win no matter who's in net. So, uh, you know, another test for them against Carolina. I think that's one of those teams. You're just going to have to watch them all year long. And mm-hmm. just, they're going to have they're going to have to pass all these little tests along the way because if they've for too many years they've had really good players like Barkov and Huberto and guys like that Ekblad and and they haven't done anything. So we'll see if this is the year they get it turned around. Victor asked, the Devils play every other day for the rest of the season. Is there any chance that they can compete? Ruff already said they won't be any real practice for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's and that's a, you know that is true. It's going to be hard for them to have a lot of practice time with the schedule they're going to have, most likely have. And we don't even know if that's going to change even further, right? Because uh, there's other teams that could be impacted and could impact the Devils' schedule. Um, but it seems like they're... You know, we just talked about Chicago, right? And, like, you know, nobody thought much of Chicago, and they've kind of found their way. And 
the Devils, uh, you know, they've got some really high-end guys, young guys at the top of their group. You know, when you think about Jack Hughes has, has kind of taken his game up a notch. Ty Smith has come in. He was a high draft pick. He's a rookie defenseman, has been you know, has been uh, putting up some points so far. They really haven't had, uh, you know, much from – from Heaster um, has been out, right? So that's a, a challenge to, to see where he's at. They're not getting much out of Gusev right now, who was a player that was a pretty good offensive player for them last year. But yet, they're getting contributions from enough people. And a guy like Damon Severson has been around a while and is playing well for them right now. You know, they added a Ryan Murray and, uh, you know, some other veterans on defense that have given them a little bit more stability there while some of the younger kids, they can kind of mature, you know, within their junior and minor league teams. But at the end of the day, you know, for me, the biggest thing, and he was back in last night, is Mackenzie Blackwood. I mean, he's been really good. He gives them a chance to win every night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I think it's going to be a tough stretch for them. But like Chicago, in that room, they probably feel like, hey, nobody thinks we're any good. Nobody thinks we're going to win. We're just going to compete our rear end off every night. And we got a really good goaltender. And we'll see how it goes. But I think the Devils have a chance as the as the years go forward here with, with Hughes and Heischer at the front of it to be a pretty good team. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a challenge over the rest of this year with the schedule. All right, let's close it out with a fun one. Tommy asks, okay. uh, he said he brought this question up on Monday in honor of the seventh anniversary of T.J. Oshie at the Olympics. While the shootout, not a great way to break a tie, it's still entertaining. So who are some of your favorite players to watch go one-on-one with the goalie? Oh, God, there's so many. I mean, Patrick Kane. Mm comes to mind right away i mean he he's like uh you know the, what he does he'll give you those like multiple stick handles and in like inside of one second in front of the net which is kind of crazy johnny gaudreau does a little of that he's fun to watch obviously Oshi is has kind of mastered that uh i like watching logan couture in san jose i think he is so businesslike in his approach he comes in and he's really good at it when he scores he just kind of skates back to the bench Gives you a little bit of a hand yeah. gesture, and that's it. Like, yeah, you know, like very businesslike, and really one of the more underrated players for me in the NHL. I would love to see him. Uh, you know, San Jose's team. It's it's going to be a struggle now and moving forward. I would love to see Logan maybe get an opportunity to go somewhere else where they have a little better supporting cast. Because boy, he's a good player. And there's some that just had success. I remember, you know, how how money Matt Zuccarello was uh, a few years ago with the oh, Rangers. Yeah. And who could forget when the shootout first started, the guy that was more money than anybody and could not be stopped, mm-hmm. if you remember, in Dallas was UC Jokinen. Yes. Now, yes. eventually they figured it out because it was always the same move, but they re- couldn't stop him. I, I was trying to remember his name because when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about him when it first started. He was, you're right, he was money. He would come down the off-wing side. He's a left shot. And then he had two little all he would go far side with a shot or he could come back the other way. And I think, you know, he would mix it up and he was I think he was like six or seven for his first six or seven. Yeah. And then he finally did get stopped by so I think Tim Thomas might have stopped him in the game. Again, these are vague memories at this point because it's like fifteen years ago now. But uh yeah, I remember UC Yokin was really good at it for a while. Uh he was money. And then of course, I guess my still my favorite shootout moment was uh was Malik yeah, uh, with the Rangers, right? Because that was like such a crazy night. I mean, that year was that year when they came back from the work stoppage and 
the Rangers were thought to be like like we just talked about, like the Blackhawks or the Devils, right? The Devils, the Rangers were thought to be the worst team in hockey that year, and they had brought in Yager and all the Czech players around them. I think Puka was there, Peter Puka oh, yeah. was there, and different, and you know maybe Nylander was there, the the father, not the Nylander that many fans know now, right. and. Um, they were really, it was kind of a, such a feel-good year at the Garden because I have no allegiance to the Rangers. I didn't grow up a Ranger fan, but like it was fun going to those games because the fans were so excited because the team had missed the playoffs for seven straight years. And then they had a work stoppage. So like the fans had no expectations of anything. And this team came, and Yager had an unbelievable year. He should have won the Hart Trophy that year. He lost it to Joe Thornton, but that was a very bad job by the voters because Yager had over 50 goals that year. And Malik comes in, and it was a Saturday night after Thanksgiving, and it was a long shootout with the Capitals. And I can remember, I'll have to clean this up a little bit for you, but I was in that old second press box at the Garden where you're yep. like behind every, like the fans. You're like basically the last row of the section behind the fans. Right. And so everybody was standing, and, you know, they announced, like, I don't know if it was Tali at that time, but whoever was the PA announcer was announcing the shooters. And the Caps had scored uh, the, uh, I think they, I forget if they, because Malik wins it. So there was the shooter before Malik. And now I'm going to ruin the story by not remembering his name. He's a defenseman. Oh, he was, it was not a guy um, you would expect to score. That was actually a game I didn't work. Was it Strudwick? Yes. Was it Jason yeah, Strudwick? You are good. You are, you are the man. <laughs> you are the man. It was Jason Strudwick. So, uh, he gets up, so like the announcer announces, and this is before Malik goes. So the Caps had scored, and it looked like they were going to win this long shootout. And the announcer comes on and says, Jason Strudwick! And like the guy in front of me just yells out an obscenity. <laughs> I mean, just like, you know, you know, like, you're like, we're, we're definitely going to lose, you know, but like you could imagine, fill in the blank. Sure. And Strudwick comes in and just, and just rips one past uh, the goaltender. I think it was Ole Kolzik. Yep. He just ripped one past him like he was like Pavel Burry. And so now the fans are all excited, and then you have the play with, with, with Merrick Malik, and he comes in and he makes that play, which was I, – I watched it in real time from that vantage point, which you know that vantage point isn't great. And I knew something weird happened. I just didn't know what. <laughs> I had to watch right. it again to see what he did, was putting it between his feet and going with that – roofing it upstairs but uh yeah jason strudwick he's the lost hero in that because he saved it if he doesn't score there uh the shootout is over so that's that's, right. that's still my favorite shootout moment but just because i was in the building and it was so new and the ranger fans were just so happy uh you know that season was a was incredible i remember yeah. just before the last quick story before the uh before the olympics the team was i think right at first place they were just playing great and they were beating somebody late, and they were playing like Sweet Caroline in the garden, and the fans were singing, and I felt like I was almost in tears. I was like, this is like such a feel-good story. And then yeah. they went to the Olympics. Some of the – Yager, I think, got dinged up. Some of the some of the, the Czech players got dinged up, and they just – and then I think Henrik Lundqvist, it was his first year, he ended up getting injured slightly in the Olympics as well for Sweden, and it wasn't uh, – they came back, and they weren't quite the same as they finished the no. season. but. That first three quarters of the year were unbelievable. Yeah, that was the first year I started working for the Rangers doing pre and post. I I was I was off that Saturday because because I was taking off Saturday uh-huh. games because I had the Jets on Sunday. The Jets on Sunday, right? And yeah. so I didn't work that game, and I was so regretful not to do it. But that was such a great first year, and I remember we used to do the post game from the old play by play at Madison Square Garden. Remember that restaurant? Yeah. And the last game of the yeah. season. 
you know, the Rangers, it was it was it was a lock. They were playing Buffalo in the first round. And I, and I remember Dave and, and yeah. Kenny closed out the broadcast before they threw to me. And Dave was talking about, oh, it'll be great to go back to Buffalo because that's where Dave finished his career. And if you remember, the Devils are playing the Canadians. And the Devils scored like yeah. four unanswered goals like in the last five minutes to beat the Canadians. Then they jumped over Buffalo. And so it ended up being the Rangers and the Devils. And the Devils ended up sweeping them. Yager like threw out his shoulder after like game two. Yeah. and. Yeah, it was yeah, just, um, it was bad. It was just I they, mean, they, they and just ran out of gas. And that Devil team had like closed yeah. out the regular season on an 11-game winning streak. Hot. They were hot, yeah. Was Lou behind the bench? I think Lou had gone behind the bench with Johnny Mack in that year at the end of the season. But I could I be think mistaken. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because – yeah, because yeah, um, I, I guess Larry was Larry, – yeah, Larry was replaced by Lou. Yeah. The Devils were like very average, yeah. and then he came in, and the Devils got hot. They won eleven straight, then swept the Rangers. They were on a fifteen-game winning streak, and then end up losing in five to uh, Carolina, who went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. Yeah, so. now, Carolina was always the bugaboo for the Devils. It seems like, yeah, for whatever reason, Carolina Hurricanes killed the Devils. But anyway, it was nice thinking about those memories, and uh, you're the you're the star of the day because you remember Jason Strudwick. <laughs> I mean, he was such a funny name, guy. Was, He'd come on and he used to come on NHL Live. Remember, because the Oilers would always swing by. Remember when he was with the Oilers? Yeah, yep. And yep. they'd come by and NHL he was, and Live, and he was a very he's one funny of those guy. Guys, he's one of those guys that everybody on the team really pretty much likes, and he's just a, you know he bounced around. He played for a million teams in his career, you know, all over the place and in Europe and. You know, but, uh, yeah, he got that goal. But the, the beauty of that goal was, again, the reaction from the fan. Yes. With the obscenity. And then the way he scored. It wasn't like a lucky goal. He just came in and just casually just ripped it. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, that was a fun team. It really was. But, uh, EJ, yeah. this was good. All right. I really loved it. Thank you for giving us uh, All right, the time. Buddy. Oh, hey, always, Donnie. You know how it is. We'll talk to you next week, I guess. You got it. We'll talk to you Monday. That's the great yep. EJ Raddick, and I say great not just because he's a good buddy of mine, but, but that, that was a, that was fun just to be able to kind of reminisce about those games. That was pretty cool. We got games uh, to, today, actually, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Any of you people might be listening to this podcast while watching Panthers and Hurricanes from Carolina. Maple Leafs look to bounce back against the Ottawa Senators. Remember, they blew that 5-1 lead in the third period the other night. So that should be an interesting one. Blackhawks and the Red Wings will be on NBC Sportsnet at 7.30. Canucks and Flames continue their series while the Jets take on the Oilers. One of my um, my ice picks earlier in the week was the over on Jets Oilers, and I had that like clinched at the end of the second period. That crazy game, uh, always fun when those two teams get together. That should be a good game. That'll be the second game of the doubleheader on NBC Sportsnet. You know, give NBC Sportsnet kudos. They're throwing on Winnipeg and Edmonton. That's that's pretty cool stuff. So uh, we'll be back uh, again with you. Uh, we're going to do Friday, and now, finally, Friday, we'll come back with the top five. I think we played enough hockey now at the quarter poll that we can come up with the top five teams of the week on Friday. Best way to get in touch with me always with hashtag game misconduct is at Don LaGreca. Make sure you get the hashtag in there so that we can get to your tweets or as many of them as possible. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.